Live from Las Vegas, it's Cover It with Teddy Covers. Hey, hey, welcome to Cover It with Teddy Covers here on Sirius XM Channel 204, the Sports Grid Radio Network. Over the course of the next hour, I'm going to do my best to break down the world of college football betting for you. We got one guest, Tony Mejia, and he's real good at college football. We're going to talk with Tony about the thought processes behind his wagers. We're going to talk about some of the teams he's looking to bet on, bet against, bet over, bet under. We're going to talk about some early thoughts. And we're going to talk about, you know, Tony's a very different style of handicapper than I am. Tony's a volume player. You know, I'm someone that really likes to pick and choose my spots on an average college football weekend. Maybe have half a dozen bets. You know, Tony can have 20. (laughs) He can have have more than that. Uh, So we'll talk to him about that approach. But first... I want to talk about something that's been getting a fair bit of buzz here in Las Vegas over the course of the last week. And that's the question of what is home field edge actually worth? Now, my strategy long term has always been the same. I go team by team. I'm never like, oh, it's a blind three. Every team gets three points for home field. That, in my mind, not the best way to assign home field advantage. Obviously, some home fields are much stronger than others. There were home fields in this century that have been worth a touchdown in college football. The Boise State home field was worth a touchdown for most of the odds. I'll tell you what. Of course, what happened over the last 10 years? 23 and 36 ATS at home for Boise State. So a home field that was worth a lot is not worth as much anymore. That said, over the last two years, Boise's gone 7-2 and against the spread at home. So really, it was 16 and 34 over an eight-year span, and now it's trending back the other way. So these home field edges can and do change over time. So what I've done historically, and I do it to this day, I go through each team one by one, and it ranges really at zero at the low side, okay, (laughs) to as high as five and a half or six points. And I make that decision What am I assigning this home field? How much is it worth? Based entirely, not on straight up results, on ATS results against this spread. Is this team covering a higher percentage of their games at home? Are they hanging tough with quality foes at home? Are they beating up on weaklings at home? Or is the answer to all three of those questions, not so much? (laughs) You know, so there's a thought process in the betting markets. And the reason I want to talk about home field edge right at the top today is because I've talked to a number of people around Las Vegas over the course of the last week or two that have been telling me they think this year, because last year there were no fans in the stands, they think that this year the home field advantages are going to be stronger than they've been in recent seasons. Maybe the strongest home fields that we've seen in any (laughs) season this decade, perhaps this millennium. That's an interesting thought process. And we may well see advanced, uh, enhanced home field advantage early in the year. You know, teams aren't used to the crowd noise. There's no preseason in college football. And, of course, so many new quarterbacks for teams. Same story in the NFL. You know, <laughs> teams not used to the crowd noise. A limited preseason. And, again, a lot of new QBs in new places at the professional level, just like at the college level. So I'm still using my old process. For home field edge. I go back and look at last year's results. I go back and look at last three years. I go back and look at last five years. And from those three 
data points, shall we say. I'm making a number. Two and a half, three, three and a half. That's what most college football teams are. You know, two and a half, three, three and a half. In the NFL, it's a similar story. There's a couple of teams you might make an argument are fours. A lot of the very weakest teams, you see a one and a half, a one, a two in my home field power rings. And that's, to me, the interesting factor. I'm not talking about the sold-out stadiums and what they're going to look like. You know, obviously, teams that aren't used to playing in those type of environments this year, early in the year, it's likely to be a little bit tougher for, you know, teams playing in the big house or in the horseshoe or in any of the, the you know, between the hedges, whatever kind of <laughs> venue you want to talk about as the best venues in college football. What I'm more interested in is the mid-majors, you know, the American athletic squads, the MAC schools, the Sunbelt teams, Conference USA. What's the home field going to be in those squads? Now, one would think, again, no crowd noise to some crowd noise, probably disadvantage for the road team. But we're not talking about sold-out, insane venues either. You know, it's not 100,000 screaming faithful when you're talking about an Ohio Bobcats home game. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if... Yeah, early in the season, we see some of the home field edges be a little bit stronger in the major conferences. I'm not convinced that's going to be the case in the non-Power 5 schools. So, again, how I'm approaching 2021, the answer right now is we don't know. <laughs> we don't know if home field's really going to be worth more this year or not. I'm starting my season using the same type of home field numbers that I've used doing it the same way that I've done it. So my numbers are looking backwards. No question. Looking in the wrong direction. I'm rearview mirror. All that said, I do not want to over-adjust for home fields. I'm not convinced they're going to be particularly strong for particularly long. In my mind, better to underestimate your home field edge than to overestimate it and be constantly overrating your home favorites. That's the way I approach it. Tony Mejia coming up next. Detailed discussion on college football. Stay tuned. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. Cover with Teddy Covers here on Sirius XM, Channel 204, the Sports Grid Radio Network. Stay on the grid. I mean, seriously, the truth of it, there's nothing like being informed with all the odds, all the analysis, all the best bets, all day long. How do you get that? Real simple. Follow us on Twitter, at SportsGrid and at SportsGridTV. You can follow me on Twitter, at Teddy underscore Covers. And you can follow our guest today, Tony Mejia on Twitter, at Mejia Dinero, M-E-J-I-A Dinero, D-I-N-E-R-O. Tony, welcome to the program. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Teddy. How are you, brother? Thanks for having me. Hey, the pleasure's mine. I got to see you last week. Of course, you're a Florida guy. I live here in Vegas, but you were out in Las Vegas uh, signing up for all the contests in town. Tell me, what contest did you sign up for? Tell me about your trip. Uh, how was Vegas last week? Vegas was cool, and it was a, a pleasure to see you and, and Ralph and everybody else. 
um, I, uh, Marco, everybody that set that up was, it was fantastic. I really appreciated it. Um, no, I, um, yeah, everything went well. Um, you know, got, got, a got to prop up, um, the, uh, winter circle proxy service, which is run by, uh, uh, you know, Kelly that we know and Brett Sidlecki and all of that. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it was just one of those things where, you know what, man, we, uh, we're in a time where normalcy is not normal and, uh, we got to appreciate what normalcy is. So what, what contest you sign up for? Did you do the Circa Millions? Did you do the Super Contest? Did you do um, some of the season win stuff that they're going? Uh, which contest intrigued you uh, here in Vegas? Because we did uh, a fair bit of contest talk with Las Vegas Chris uh, on a recent show. Uh, so just to follow up on that, which one uh, Which one did you sign up for? Well, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm in the Circa Million, and I love Jay Cornegay to death. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll try to sign up for the for the. Uh, Las Vegas, uh, the Westgate Super Contest next year, but I can o- I could only do one this season, and the overlay was just too attractive not to uh, to bet. So that that's where I'm at. Sure, and you talked about that. You know, obviously you don't live here in Las Vegas; you live in Florida. But uh, the fact that you can come into town and the proxy services, and there's a number of them. No hesitation in recommending uh, our friend Kelly's, uh, but certainly she's not the only proxy service out here. Uh, but the bottom line is you can make one trip to town, sign up for the contest, uh, and then the only time you have to come back is if you're collecting. Collecting. Check. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and then, uh, you know, the goal is not to just collect a check. The goal is to collect one of those big checks that you get to hold over your head and then take a picture of you. Uh, That's right. That only comes, That's what we want. Uh, for the top guys. And having collected a check uh, from the super contest that wasn't one that I held over my head, you know what? It still feels good to go in there, even if you're not getting first place money uh, to go in there. And you know, it's there's something to be said for proving your value amongst a you know a group of thousands of handicappers. And obviously, if you do well in these contests, you've done that. So I talked a little bit in the opener uh, about how you're a volume handicapper. You bet a lot of games every Saturday. Right. And a guy like me, I've always been. Pick and choose, pick and choose. And sometimes it makes me crazy when you have a good short list uh, and then you're cutting games that end up being winners. Sometimes I'm real happy that I went short because it avoids those disastrous weekends. Talk about the benefits of being a volume handicapper and talk about some of the pitfalls of that approach. You're a guy that likes to put money on a whole bunch of games every Saturday. I'll say this. This is what it, this, this is exactly what it is, Ted. Um, in terms of what I'm offering to people, like people want to bet Clemson uh, and Georgia, and maybe I don't have a strong opinion on that, but I do have an opinion. Um, and people want to bet all these other games, and then they're not going to bet these games, uh, even if I'm at a five percent level on them. Or, well, I hope I, I hope they do. Um, but the bottom line is, is I want to offer everybody. Um, a service in terms of because because you know what we do like you, you you understand that there is a certainty of of what we're looking at that oh well we'll form an opinion on it and uh, that's that's what we have to kind of kind of do in this business and uh, it, it, is it more informed than you are as a customer absolutely so we'll offer it. That that that's 
number one, that's that's where I'm at. Um, that's what I did at, at, at um, my previous spot, and uh, that's that's what I look to do at, at Wager Talk. Yeah, I mean that's something that, that, that's you know it's not uh, it's just a different style uh, than what I have. Right. Um, talk about unit unit sizing when you're a volume better. Are you someone that wants to you know uh, get uh, half your bankroll into action on a Saturday, more than half your bankroll into action on a Saturday, or do you keep the bet sizes relatively small when you're you know betting up and down the college uh, football card? No, I I, I think. Um... And especially since we're limited to eight five percent plays at Wager Talk um, per month, I think that those are sacred. Those are the, those are the plays that you expect to win. And I, I mean, I'm number one at at the site since I joined. Um, so, like, I, I I try to do as well as I can on that. But at the same time, um, you know, you've got your your other plays that are just as important because I mean, somebody may not want to bet your 5%. Somebody may not want to bet your 4%. Somebody may just be like, Hey, I want to watch this game tonight. That is uh, Georgia. Uh, I mean, yeah, Georgia Clemson. And you may only be 2% invested, but I still want to bet it and I'll bet it what I want. And I think that's what it is. I think that's, uh, I mean, like we're, we're, we're trying to cater to people that basically trust us to say, "Hey, you guys are talented at what you do. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna trust you." Period. So, it, I mean, like a two percent play could be a five percent play for somebody else. I mean, it is what it is, basically. Like I, I don't, I don't, I don't take myself seriously enough to say, "Hey, um, you can't." You can't bet this because I'm telling you that it's it's a weaker bet because it might win just as easily as a five percent bet. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Well, uh, tell me about the highs and lows of a high variance approach. Because one thing that you're going to do when you're betting more games, you're going to have some big days, and you're also going to have some days that you know are ugly and maybe really ugly. So, talk about handling the highs and lows, the mental aspect uh, of uh, a more high volume approach. I have had an O for 10 day on a January 1st, Teddy. Um, and it was, it was, it was the worst day of my life because you're sitting there and you're starting a season, uh, you're starting a whole year losing that O for 10. Um, and, but at the same time, I mean, I've had 14 and two days. I've had, I've, I've, I've had really big pickups. Um, it is what it is. Uh, look, um, I'm, I'm very confident in what I do and in what I research and in how I play these games and in the lines that I research. And honestly, uh, the, the whole thing that, that has, and we talked about this today, um, uh, on, on, well, on, on wager talk today, uh, about finding the best line and you got, uh, you know, half, half point lines that cost you to cost you to death you got to do that in addition to what you do in terms of all right i think this team is going to win sure i mean we spent so much time talking about handicapping 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 and handicapping only one piece of the puzzle there are handicapping skills and there are betting skills and boy we saw that on thursday night where betting skills on full display 
bunch of games, whether it was the UNLV game, whether it was the Boise-UCF game, whether it was the Ohio State-Minnesota game, betting skills, more important than handicapping skills in all of those games. We'll talk more with Tony Mejia coming up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. When we talk about the concept, every half point matters. We're not kidding. All right. When I tell people, if you have one betting account, split your money in half and open two. If you have two betting accounts, split your money in half and open four. I do it for a reason. Just ask anyone who took plus 13.5 with Minnesota or anyone that laid 14.5 with Ohio State. Ask anyone that had UNLV plus 1.5. Ask anyone that laid 2.5 with Eastern Washington. If you bet Tennessee at the opener, you could have laid 28 or 29 or 30 or 31. You play them at the close, you're laying 37, you don't cover UCF, minus four for much of the summer. Minus six and a half at kickoff lands right in the middle against Boise. Game after game, even the very first Thursday, loaded Thursday card in college football, multiple games decided by half a point, multiple games, Tony, where betters could have won, pushed, or lost on the very same bet, on the very same team, based entirely on their betting skills. So talk about these, you know, I mean, I, I try to pound it in and say, you know, that there's nothing more important than having more routes. There's nothing more important than having more accounts. When you're winning games by a half point, it feels so much better than when you're losing games by a half point. And when you catch a winner in a game that everyone else pushed and lost, man, you're walking around like you're on air. Now tell me, Tony, what's your thought process with the line value and half points and you know, there's so many games this college football season that literally are going to come down to what number did you get it at if you won or you lost. Of course, of course. Look, um, I, I lost two bets yesterday to uh, a bartender friend of mine who is one of my best friends, but she's a girl. She went to Boise State. I took her to the game because I'm a UCF fan, and I'm sitting there like, razzing her as we're driving the ball down the field and then Dylan Gay Real throws an interception that has returned a hundred yards the other way. Uh, and then it, the worst feeling in the world in a in a in a stadium that is filled with ninety percent of your fan base is um, the boys who say Broncos twenty one, uh, your UCF night zero. Like seriously. And so they came back to win the game and they came back to win the game to the point where, like, uh, the, the only game I lost last night, I, 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 I split Minnesota because I got 14, so I split. Uh, I had NC State like you did, um, so I won that. And so then I'm, I'm sitting there, like, looking at the, oh, we need a two-point conversion to, to win by seven, and there's no way they're going to come back. And th- they missed it. And... and it happened the other night as well in the Jacksonville Jaguars game against the Saints where the Saints are up the entire way and the Jaguars sit there in back door 
in the final seconds because they may, they converted the two-point conversion. I didn't get the two-point conversion last night. And, of course, that, that, that is exactly what it is. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're sitting here doing our best to handicap the game because we do know what we're talking about. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, luck plays into it. Yeah, and luck, and 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 more than luck, it's the the actual the discipline to not make a bet at minus seven and a half when you know there's a minus seven out there and you can bet it there. You know, it's not there's there's a luck factor. Sure. Certainly, when it comes to two point conversions, all right, it's the most important play in football from a point spread perspective. It's not even close how many games get decided on a two point conversion or not, and yet there's no way to handicap it. So there's certainly a luck uh, factor in play. But when you're getting the best of the number, when you're getting a point spread that your buddy doesn't have because you bet early or you bet late or you shopped around, those little edges over time make an enormous difference. Let's get back into college football, and I want to ask you about your handicapping style. What stats do you care about? Do you care about stats at all? If so, which ones are you looking at and which ones uh, are you looking to ignore? I don't care about stats. I care about players, which is weird because I understand that I'm very different on this. Um, I care about individual matchups. So I know that we're both on the same page with NC State this season. So NC State now has you know, a quarterback that hopefully can stay healthy. If he stays, he, if he stays healthy, they have one of the best running backs in the ACC they have a, a Kazi who's one of the best wide receivers in the ACC, and they can really do damage. I mean, even to Clemson. So that's. I mean, I, I think that's 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 where I'm at because, like stats. Oh, I mean, stats. Uh, you can stats are arbitrary to me. Um, like we have to watch them. We have to look at them. We're, we're looking at them every every day. But at the same time, um, we're sitting there watching these, you know, the eye test, the eye test works better to me than, than stats, period. And I'm going to say this as clearly as I can say it. All right. In my opinion, I shouldn't say, it's not in my opinion. I have not seen many successful stat-based college football betters. I see guys that run statistical profiles in the NFL that have success. I see guys that run statistical profiles in college hoops or the NBA and have success. In MLB, the quants own it. College football is not beatable based on statistical formulas, in my opinion. And Tony Mejia has got a pretty good track record telling us the same thing. So everyone to tell you, this team's number one in offense, and this team's got the sixth-ranked running game. It's irrelevant because none of that is factored into the quality of the opponent and or the game plan of the team for that given day. College football team's going to have flat spots just like anyone else does. They have a flat spot. They have a bad statistical showing, oh, this team's bad. No. That just means that they didn't beat whoever by 50 points. And next week when they play somebody better, they may well do it. So I'm with you very much conceptually when it comes to college football stats often taking you in the wrong direction as opposed to the right one. I am not a statistical handicapper in college football. I am in other sports. Not this one. Sure. Do you do power no, and, and, and I agree with that, but but I, but, but uh, let me just add this. Okay, so because because of the talent gap 
in college football because there are so many people that are so much talented than their backups. If you lose a safety in game, like I, I remember a couple of years ago, there was a safety at like one of those obscure schools. Um, uh, I, I think they were playing Louisville because I remember my friend is uh, is a Louisville grad, and we were texting about the game. I said, "Oh, you, your your team just won because that guy just sprained his hamstring and he's done." Um, you can, I mean, you can do serious damage, and that's the whole point. Like that 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 is entirely my philosophy on 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 college football, not the NFL because the NFL is completely different because they're all pros. In college football, if you're like sitting there and, and, and saying, wow, they just lost one of their best players. They can't be replaced, period. And especially when you talk about the non-Power 5 schools, that matters. It matters Absolutely. In game betting, and it certainly matters uh, week in and week out. But the broader statistical profile, it's not. I mean, like NFL, you can always use the yards per play, and yards per play will tell you, this offense is pretty good, this defense is pretty bad, whatever it is. College football, you start using yards per play, you say, well, this team beat up on a weakling, and that guy had a 90-yard touchdown run and a 70-yard touchdown run. You know, And, of course, right. where they are in relationship to the end zone has a huge difference for the big sprints. You know, When the guy's wide open in space, is he 20 yards from the end zone or is he 80 yards for the end zone? It makes a huge difference in the stats. makes no difference in the result. Um, do you do power ratings? Do you make your own numbers? Or are you someone that's looking at the market and gauging off of that without – the hard numbers in, uh, in your pocket. No, I always make my own, my own numbers. Um, but that being said, I have not done that this year because of the volatility in the market. And I'll say this, this way. Um, I, I started out with, I am, I'm going to do this for, I think the first two weeks. Um, there are teams that I really like and I'll just ride them. I'll just ride them because, like a Fresno State or a Minnesota. Minnesota should have covered that spread last night. Um, I'll just ride them, and then uh, uh, then then we'll deal with the numbers. But yeah, I always make my own numbers in, in every yeah. sport I do. And early in the season, I have no argument with that strategy either. Where you find a team that's undervalued in game one, they may well be undervalued in game two. You find a team that's overvalued in game one, uh, they're a team that you want to continue betting against until proven otherwise. So are you a guy that uh, looks at the matchups on the field? Are you looking for quotes from coaches? Um, you know, what is your style when it comes to picking winners in college football? I'm looking for weaknesses. Like uh, we, t- uh, we talked earlier about uh, UMass and Pittsburgh and uh, the fact of, and, and, and again, I'll, I'll, I'll equate UMass and Pittsburgh to NC State in South Florida uh, because, you have so much talent on one side of the ball and so much uncertainty on the other. And even it doesn't matter what the number is. It, it, I mean, like, obviously the number always matters, but you can, you can sit there and say, I feel good about this. Like, and, and, and again, it is what it is. Like, no, nobody would have said to me yesterday, um, NC State is a good bet against South Florida plus eight, 19. Um, but they, but they obviously were, nobody was going to say, nobody, nobody's going to say to me tomorrow, 38 points. That's crazy. Um, but I, I, I think I'm right. And then 
you know, the, the, the other games are different. The other games are More come wild. up with Tony Mejia right after the break. Stay tuned. Cover it with Teddy Covers. Continues right here on Sirius XM Channel 204, the Sports Grid Radio. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Teddy Covers here with Tony Mejia on Cover It with Teddy Covers, Sirius XM Channel 204, the Sports Grid Radio Network. Tony, it's time to talk week one strategies and week one games. Um, is it better to over-adjust compared to last year or under-adjust? I hear two different philosophies among betters. One is like, you better make big adjustments off your numbers from last year, everything from last year is stale. And the other thought process is, You'll probably do better in week one if you just use your numbers from last year as opposed to trying to rehand and get themselves. Programs don't change that much in a single off season. Uh, how do you take it? Which which way do you look at that particular question? We're talking college football, right? Correct. Okay. Um, this is a weird year, Teddy. Like, you've got <laughs> 10 returning starters on almost every team, like on, on one side of the ball and on the other side of the ball, uh, because they, they didn't take away their eligibility last year. So, and this, this is what I was saying about Western Michigan and Michigan. Uh, like, do you trust this team to be better uh, and hold up better physically than they would have normally if they were just fourth-year seniors, but now they're fifth-year seniors? Um, so yeah, no, I, 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 like your question is valid, but at the same time, um, I think it's unique in terms of the answer that should be given. I think we're not going to deal with this in 2025, but we are going to deal with this in 2021. Right. So for this year, do I want to over adjust from last year or under adjust from last year? You want to, uh, over adjust. I think you want, you, you want to. You want to expect these people to improve and to be healthier, and if they're not healthier, then it, then then you make your adjustments. But if because, you can, yeah. Right, so the <laughs> issue, like, let's talk about a team, uh, like a, a team that lost everything in the offseason. You know, BYU had a great team last year; they lost everything. Right. Okay. Um, We're gonna hate on them. We would, we, would we be better off power rating BYU? near where they were at the end of last year or making a huge two-touchdown adjustment to near where they are this year? Um, and there's a, um, certainly a thought, a thought process that that BYU, even without the number two draft pick in the NFL draft, they're still going to be pretty good. The level of the program is fine. And the betting markets will over-adjust for teams like BYU that graduate a lot of starters. Um, and, and I just, I mean, what's your take on that? My take is, is Teddy, who's the, who's the highest-rated quarterback in, in the preseason? It's Zach Wilson. It, it's crazy. Um, and, and, and so, yeah, no, I, I can't do that. I can't do that. Um, and they lost so much, but they do. But, uh, I, I think um, 
I think Utah State is the best team in that conference. They have the best quarterback. They have the best running back. They have the best wide receiver. So let's talk about week two in particular. Obviously, we're into week one right now. But these games will all be played today. And then we have the adjustment question mark. Should betters be backing teams that look really good in week one and fading teams that look bad? Or is it kind of a vice versa approach? The teams that look good in week one tend to be overrated in week two. And the teams that look bad in week one have a better effort in them than the one we just saw. And maybe the the appropriate motivation. So is it ride the teams between week one and week two? Or is it expect to flip between week one and week two? It really is an interesting college football conundrum. And I want to get your take on it. Well, brother, that's that's where we make our money. Uh, what are we expecting to start the season? What happens early? I mean, like, look, we love NC State. Me and you love NC State. They played South Florida. South Florida was expected to do the same thing as a a number of other teams that are housing these um, transfer portal transfers that are, okay, well, I mean, but why, why didn't you fit in there? Like, what, 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 what didn't you do there that now you're going to do it some other spot and I, I, I wouldn't touch it? And so at the same time, you're going to sit there and be like, all right, well, they blew out this team and now the, the price is over-adjusted, so, like, stay away from him. I mean, and, and that's... That's what we do. We, I mean, we have the experience to be like, even 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 if um, even if we're wrong, just stay away from it, and let let let's wait for week three. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I mean, like, so for UCF, for example, on Thursday night, all right, they got shut out. The box score didn't look good. The final score didn't look good. And yet, when I watched that team. I'm like, man, they got some playmakers on the outside. They got a quarterback that can chuck it around. And when they're playing a team that's not NC State, this might well be a bet on team. And the fact that they lost 45 to nothing on opening night says, hey, USF, I don't have a sell sign on that team after that performance. I have a buy sign on that team because they looked awful on TV. Everybody saw it. Everyone was paying attention. And they may not be quite that bad. So um, that's the kind of thing I'm looking for a lot. In week one. No, you're absolutely right, and, and and that's exactly right. Because, I mean, honestly, that's that's exactly what happened to USF. And while we were on the same boat, I think on that, um, they're going to be better than they were last season, and they're going to be undervalued next week because of what happened in week one. Absolutely. Yes. So let's talk about it. We have uh, a little bit more than five minutes left, uh, and I want to get some opinions from you about some teams that might be underrated or overrated. Give me an underrated team in the betting markets right now. Um, one team that stands out to you as being a value team as we head into the start of college football. Do you think I'm crazy that NC State can beat Alabama, I mean, Clemson? Uh, no. But look, teams lose. <laughs> you know, Clemson isn't going to win every game every year forever. Neither is Alabama, neither is Oklahoma. And when you look at the games on their schedule that they could possibly lose, you know, NC State might be one of them. Leary's got to play better, though. What happened to Tulsa last night? Oh, uh, let's see, Thursday night? They, uh, that's another oh, Thursday night. I, I when it comes to week two in college football, 
I love betting the teams on the teams. Just got upset by an FBS opponent at home. Or FCS opponent at home. You know, they didn't take sure. the team seriously. They weren't motivated. The crowd support isn't there. They get beat. They get embarrassed. They come out the next week and they slaughter somebody. Um, love teams that lose outright to FCS foes. But come on, give me an underrated team. You got somebody for me? I mean, like, look, um, is UCF an underrated team? Because on Thursday, they basically survived Boise State, which is the toughest team on their schedule except for Cincinnati. And they'll play Desmond Ritter. And, I mean, I think people forget that, that they were in, that they were winning that game in the fourth quarter. And now Cincinnati is the top 10 team nationally. But do you know how wasteful UCF was last season? They had they had uh, they had Grant who went, I believe, in the first or second round. I believe it was second round um, as a safety in, in that secondary that was like a sheriff. And Randy Shannon butchered that. Period. Um, and so I mean uh, they they just won a game over. Boise State that they probably had no business winning. They were down twenty-one nothing midway through the second quarter. Um, if they beat, even if they lose to Cincinnati, they could still be an eleven-win team. So, um, yeah, there, there there is some value in that. I think, um, and that's my definition value. of an underrated team. Real simple, uh, Tony. An underrated team is a team that's going to cover point spreads. An overrated team is a team that's not going to cover point spreads. If you can make make money betting against them. You're saying UCF is a team that is better than the betting markets say they are right now. Might be a team you can make some money with over the course of the next month. And I'm not talking about all year. I'm just talking about right here in September. An underrated team. Give me an overrated team in the markets right now. A team we're looking to just, I mean, just, just make sure Dylan Gabriel's healthy. I think Georgia State is an underrated team. Um, I don't think anybody believes in them. Uh, they're favored against Army in week one, so um, I'll say that knowing that. But at the same time, like you're 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 sitting there believing in other Sun Belt teams, Appalachian State, Coastal Carolina, um, teams like that, and 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 that's the whole thing. That's that's what we got to look like at, at, at a wide spectrum, um, because uh, Louisiana, which is another team, the Raging Cajuns, um, can they beat Texas? I mean, like I, I know you're a, you're a guy that's deep into um, what are they going to do in the trenches, which is obviously the key to football. But at the same time, like if they can hang, why couldn't they do that? Like I don't know. Uh, I, I think that yeah, these are all teams that um, you know could do could do really serious damage. Coastal Carolina's win total is ten. I think that's overvalued, but I don't think that um, that Louisiana is. So, Louisiana, they may well be live dogs uh, against the Texas Longhorns. However, from a point spread perspective, from a quote-unquote value standpoint, hard for me to get to the window with the Raging Cajuns as single-digit dogs in Austin. Uh, Are you surprised? I'm not surprised. My, my number came out a little bit higher. My number came out, I think, uh, 10.5 or 11 on that game. So, Okay. But I'm not surprised right. that we're seeing uh, Lafayette, uh, uh, Louisiana, get the wise guys' support. Wise guys often look for the trendy, attractive underdogs in week one of college football. Week one of college football, I have no problems laying points with uh, some favorites. Um, Tony, just a couple minutes left. 
Uh, I want to give you a chance to promote yourself, uh, talk about where people can find you uh, on Twitter, talk about where people can find you uh, on uh, Friday, on, uh, online. <laughs> oh, well, I'm at Mejia De Niro at Twitter, and uh, I'm obviously uh, at Wager Talk with all my plays and, you know, number one handicapper last year in college football. It was great. Uh, we'll see what happens this season. But, again, uh, I, I, I think I'm in a, good, a pretty good place. I think I should be 4-0, Teddy. <laughs> we, we lost. Uh, we, we, we split Minnesota yesterday on 14, and, and there were 14 and a half to go out there. Um, we we uh, lost UCF by not converting a two-point conversion. I won Illinois last week, and I won NC State. So I think I should be 4-0. But yeah, two, two, two you right know sides and uh, two coin flips that did not go uh, in your favor. And when I say coin Absolutely. flip, it doesn't mean it's a coin flip, but you're going to have a fair few games where it's every bit as important to be lucky as good. We talked about the issues with two-point conversions. And again, it's unhandicappable, the two-point conversion. You find me a way to handicap it, I'm all ears because uh, I've been in Vegas. This is my 24th football season. I've yet to figure out <laughs> how to successfully handicap the two-point conversion and how it's going to affect my point spread play. Nonetheless, and if, 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 if you right can't figure that out, decisions. I can't figure it out. Yeah, so. but the point is that if you're on the right side of those, that's you know, all of a sudden you'll be hot. And if you're on the wrong side of those, all of a sudden you'll be cold. We try not to freak out when we're a little bit hot or a little bit cold based on what we call relatively lucky results. Tony Mejia, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to hang out with us here on Cover It with Teddy Covers. We'll do it again in the not-too-distant future, my friend. Thank you, Teddy. The pleasure's all mine. When we come back, I gotta give you guys a play. I'm giving you guys a play this whole show. We got one. Labor Day. Stay tuned. Cover it continues. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We're here in the home stretch of Cover It with Teddy Covers here on Sirius XM Channel 204, the Sports Grid Radio Network. And I got to give you guys a play before we get off the show. And look, let me make this very clear. All right, this is not a pick show. You're not going to get 100 picks on the show every week. If you listen to the podcast, you're not going to get 100 picks on the podcast either. We're going to talk about teams. We're going to talk about strategies. We're going to talk about betting philosophies. We're going to talk about the difference between handicapping skills and betting skills. We're going to talk about broader approaches. There are a hundred other shows on this network and many others. You can handicap game, they're going to break down game after game after game. That's not what this show's about. All that said, we want to make sure we do some game breakdowns here for you. Uh, and here's one on Monday night. Look, this number's already moved. All right, this is not a quote-unquote value play for Ole Miss against Louisville on Labor Day night. All that being said... Ole Miss, on paper to me, looks a lot better than Louisville. Louisville just hasn't stepped up in class well throughout the Satterfield era. You know, two years on the job, this team has a grand total of three wins as an underdog. And those wins as an underdog came when Louisville was a dog to Wake Forest twice 
and once against Virginia. That's not a who's who of elite squads. During that same time frame, we've seen the Cardinals lose by 18 to Notre Dame, by 11 to Florida State, by 25 to Miami, by 13 to Miami, by 32 to Kentucky. That's just to name a few. Malik Cunningham's really good, but his top two receivers both moved on to the NFL, both drafted on the first two days. They weren't a late day. They were second and fourth rounders. Um, I'm not overly impressed with their replacements on paper. Defensively, this is the team that lost five of their top seven tacklers. That's bad news for a vulnerable unit in recent seasons. And the secondary in particular looks suspect, both in terms of talent and depth. And that's not an optimal scenario when facing Lane Kiffin's Rebels on Labor Day in Atlanta. Looking at the old Miss side in this one. And again, you know, the, we're seeing mostly tens out there right now. Line shoppers can get a nine and a half. If you wait until kickoff, it's likely to be higher. This is one you probably want to bet sooner rather than later. Hey, thanks for tuning in. Really enjoyed spending some time with you today. We'll do it again next week right here on Covering with Teddy Covers. All those nights when you've got no lights, the check is in the mail. And you're